my prepared message is entitled Deeper Soul Searching. Uh, if you wanted to look and read the um, scripture passage that I'm going to reference, it's out of the Old Testament, Judges chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. I'm not going to read it uh, now, but if you want to reference it at some other point and go back and look at it, it's Judges chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. So this July 4th has been a quiet one, at least parks and open spaces where there would typically be a large fireworks display um, have been quiet. Due to the ongoing pandemic, many communities have canceled their annual July 4th fireworks and their shows. And I know this has been disappointing for many, for everyone, because folks and families, it's usually a tradition, gather at the parks with your blankets and your chairs and your picnic baskets and enjoy the, end, uh, enjoy the day and end it with a rousing fireworks display as you celebrate the 4th of July. So it's been a little bit different. But rather than looking outward and upward, I thought that maybe this year, uh, I wanna suggest that we could take this time, um, July 4th weekend, to look inward. In other words, to do some deep soul searching around who we want to become as a nation and who we want to become as individuals that make up and comprise this nation. Now in the Old Testament, there is this book of Judges, which I mentioned uh, before I started the message. This particular book tells the story of individuals that God would raise up the judges to decide matters between uh, the newly settled tribes of Israel, who were now settled in Canaan. And often these judges were divinely appointed by God, and the judge in the Old Testament is closer to a word that means ruler. And often the judges were military leaders, but they also played a part in handling legal disputes, as well as providing overall direction and leadership. Now, in the fourth and fifth chapters of Judges, it tells the story of Deborah, or sometimes called Deborah, but we'll say Deborah. It tells the story of Deborah, who was a judge and a prophet to the tribes of Israel. Now, the fourth chapter tells about her and her commander leading this military campaign against the king of Canaan and his army. And the fourth chapter tells of Deborah's victory. Now, the fifth chapter is often called Deborah's Song, and it is a song of victory. It celebrates the conquest over the armies of Canaan. And it tells about Deborah wanting to push for further military campaign while also celebrating their victories. And so she puts out the call to all the various tribes of Israel to join her in this campaign. Now, the chapter talks about the tribes marching out and going out with Deborah until it gets to the tribe of Reuben. And we pick it up in chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. The leaders of Issachar came along with Deborah. And Issachar was attached to Barak, which was Deborah's military commander, and was sent into the valley behind them. Among the clans or tribes of Reuben, there was deep soul searching. Did you hear that? Among the tribe of Reuben, there was deep soul searching. In other words, the tribe of Reuben was not immediately ready to sign on. They wanted to reflect, they wanted to pray, they needed to search their hearts and souls. And so verse 16 goes on and reads, Why did you stay back among the sheep pens, listening to the music for the flocks? For the clans or the tribe of Reuben, there was deep soul searching. Now in the end, the tribe of Reuben didn't join the battle. They didn't join the military campaign. They stayed back and they tended their flocks and they stayed where they were. But this was only after there was this deep soul-searching on their part. It was not a rush to judgment on their part. They knew that if they chose not to fight, they would be in the minority. And for that reason, deep soul-searching was of the utmost importance. 
And when the challenge before you or I is who do you want to become? And how will you and I act in congruence with our deepest held values and convictions? I think deep soul searching is never a waste of time. During this time of year, uh, Independence Day and July 4th, I'm often reminded of the deep soul searching many early Quakers undertook as the 13 colonies began to push back against British tyranny. At the beginning, early Quakers were supportive and even participated in some nonviolent protests, protests and boycotts. But as the revolution began to move more and more towards a military campaign, many Quakers voiced a concern for a more nonviolent approach, concerned about the approach of the local militias, these early Quakers, they supported a more diplomatic approach with Britain or simply chose not to fight. Other Quakers chose to either not support the war through what was called the war tax. Um, they simply refused to be conscript, con conscripted into the cause. They refused to be drafted. Uh, they maintained their pacifist position. And some Quakers even refused to use the paper money that the Second Continental Congress issued, which was called Continentals. But there was a price to pay for many of these Quakers and they lost considerable influence politically. They incurred losses economically. Many were shunned by their neighbors and friends, and even some were shunned by their local meetings. But these early Quakers, they undertook this deep soul searching, and they examined their own values. They examined their own testimonies. They examined their calling as a people. In light of what they were being asked to do, as well as the direction their newly formed nation was choosing to take. And in the end, they made their choice. And in the end, they were willing to suffer the consequences of their choices. Deep soul searching never guarantees an easy outcome. And what it does guarantee is this space in which you and I are able to weigh our convictions about what we believe and make the choices based on living in congruence with our deeply held values and convictions. Deep soul searching allows us space to reflect on where we are and who we are and who we want to become. And then we pay attention to how big that gap is between who we are and who we want to become. Deep soul searching asks the questions, am I moving in the right direction? And if not, what kind of changes or mid-course corrections do I need to make in order to get back on track? Even the psalmist at the end of Psalm 139, invites God into this deep soul searching. Here's what the psalmist writes. Examine me, God. Look at my heart. Put me to the test. Know my anxious thoughts. Look to see if there is any idolatrous way in me, and then lead me on the eternal path. I think life can often get very busy and overwhelming. If you're like me, you lose track of your own soul. And when I lose track of my own soul, I often react in ways I would rather not react. I make decisions which are not in congruence with who I truly want to become, and I lose focus on my deepest held values and convictions until I end up sort of accommodating myself to whatever is around me, or I lack the focus to show up, and sometimes the conviction and the courage to show up as my truest and authentic self. I do believe, I do believe it's possible to deepen and enlarge the capacity of our souls so that we're able to love greatly, and to live from a place that can hold the pain of our world as well as be a container for God's presence that can flow out of us into the world. I believe it's possible for our souls also to shrivel up and get lost due to our own inattention as well as our own misguided priorities. Author John Ortberg wrote these words, quote, the more we focus on ourselves, the more we neglect our souls. 
to focus on my soul, he writes, means to look at my life under the care and connection of God. In other words, deep soul searching. At one point in his ministry, Jesus pressed his disciples on the choice between following, following the ways of culture and the world and living in the way of Jesus. And so he asked this question, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, it's easy to lose our own souls in the choices we face every day. It's easy to lose our own souls in the temptations that culture gives us to form our life around it. It's easy to lose our own souls. It's easy to trade in our souls for a better offer that might seem good in the short term, but in the long term doesn't bring us life or enable us to live as our best selves. The late Dallas Willard wrote these words, quote, To lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. I think that's a very profound and important question, is what is the organizing center that guides my life, that guides your life? Now, not only is deep soul searching important for us as individuals, I think it's valuable for us as a nation. As I shared at the beginning of this message, since we're not spending as much time looking upward and outward uh, due to less fireworks and festivities, maybe it's a good weekend to look inward, to do some deep soul searching of who we want to become as a nation. If you and I choose to do this, and I suspect we'll do it in our own ways and in our own time, and most likely we'll do it as individuals who, uh, uh, in our own way, and, and as we do it as individuals, who we become as a nation ends up being ultimately the sum total of all of our decisions and our choices. But as we do our deep soul searching, what do we use to check our alignment? In other words, what are we aligning our souls with as we look and do this deep soul searching as a country and as a nation? One way is to examine ourselves and our alignment with what the scriptures refer to as the kingdom of God. In front of Pontius Pilate, Jesus said these words, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, Jesus was called to a higher way, a way that transcended the mindset and ways of this world. And this way is the kingdom of God or the rule and reign of God. It's often the way of love and the way of sacrifice. It's often the way of peace and nonviolence. It's often the way of being in solidarity with the oppressed and even the most vulnerable. It's often the way of, of servanthood and service. Even Paul himself said, do not be conformed to the mindset and structures of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, to imagine a whole different mindset and way of living. That's the kingdom of God. Even in our own Deep River Friends identity statement, it ends with these two sentences, quote, we have no greater allegiance than to the kingdom of God. And we have no greater privilege than serving our community and making God's love real. So we can ask ourselves this question or this query. Is my highest allegiance, is our highest allegiance to God's rule and reign and living in the way of Jesus? Is the kingdom of God our organizing center? Another way um, to do some deep soul searching and to align ourselves or to check our alignment will be to spend time reflecting on our own living tradition as Quakers and to reflect on how our own testimonies of simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, and service show up in our daily living and in our own civic priorities and our citizenship. Edward Burrow was one of the early Quakers who heard George Fox preach in 1652, George Fox being the founder of the Quaker movement. And he was converted to Quakerism 
he became this itinerant preacher traveling around and preaching the gospel of God's direct love and God's direct guidance. In 1662, he was arrested for holding a meeting which was against the law at that time, a meeting for worship, and he was sent to what was called Newgate Prison. And he remained in Newgate until his death in 1664. These are the words of Edward Burrow attributed to him in 1659. Quote, we are not for names, nor men, nor titles of government, nor are we for this party, nor against the other, but we are for justice and mercy and truth and peace and true freedom. That these may be exalted in our nation, and that goodness and righteousness and meekness and temperance and peace and unity with God and with one another, that these things may abound. And so we can ask ourselves this question or this query, how do my responsibilities as a citizen reflect the testimonies of simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, and service, and see, seeing that of God in everyone? And finally, another way to check our alignment, if you will, is uh, to maybe take a cue from the contemporary Quaker Parker Palmer. Um, what Parker Palmer does, uh, as he uh, often says, he reflectively rereads the Declaration of Independence. Parker Palmer puts it this way, quote, the most patriotic thing I can do on the 4th of July is to reread the Declaration and feel the weight, the weight of the claims it makes on my life. Such claims as we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, among people, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. A post on his own Facebook page, Parker Palmer writes these words, we dishonor the Declaration of Independence by pretending that all is well and blowing this triumphal horn we honor it by attending to its living voice and responding to its soul deep call in whatever way we can think. Deep soul searching. And maybe we can look at the Declaration of Independence not as this static document, but this living document that we revisit each year and ask us how it speaks to the condition of our nation and our world at this time. I think we can say with all humility that we're living through a very challenging season in our country. We're very blessed to live in a country of abundance, but not everyone knows that abundance. We're very blessed to live in a country of personal freedom, but not everyone experiences that freedom. We're very blessed to live in a country that has, as one of its most revered phrases, all are created equal, but some still wait to experience that equality. And the past six months have been some of the most challenging for us as a nation in many years. And we find ourselves still right in the midst of these challenges. So this feels, it feels like a good time to engage, like the Reubenite to the Old Testament, in some good, quote, deep soul searching. Author John Meacham wrote in his book, The Soul of America, these words. The war between the ideal and the real, between what's right and what's convenient, between the larger good and personal interest is the contest that unfolds in the soul of every American, which is probably why some soul searching is always important every year. So rather than feeling like a chore, maybe our intention to enter into this deep soul searching 
can be a part of our own personal civic stewardship as we seek to contribute to our country, to our nation, in life-giving and positive ways. And it's only when you and I are willing to examine our own souls and the soul of our country that we're able to distinguish between what is light and what is dark and what is the best way forward and what will help us all flourish. I'll end with these words from John Meacham again from his book, The Soul of America. Quote, in our finest hours, the soul of the country manifests itself in an inclination to open our arms rather than to clench our fists, to look out rather than to look inward, to accept rather than to reject. And in so doing, America has grown ever stronger, confident that the choice of light over dark is the means by which we pursue progress. May it be so.